Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Can I ask you how your dinner was last night? Let's let's get right into it. I went to the hottest spot in Los Angeles last night, Donna's, which is an echo park. Um, it's become very famous because uh, Joe Jonas recorded a TikTok about it. He ran into Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You and sent drinks. And I think like, I can't remember how the story went, but Nathan ended up sending back like something incredibly insulting. Like I swear it was like a piece of bread. It was something like, it was like a crayon, like a child's crayon in a, in a picture. I can't remember, but it's just been the, the place du jour, like the restaurant to see and be seen. And it was good. Like I had such low expectations because of the hype, but it was very good, dude. I love to hear that. Pretty reasonably priced, classic like red sauce, Italian joint, nothing too crazy. I was surprised. I mean, I didn't see anyone famous. My temptation to ask the hostess who's been in that week was really, I was, I was battling, but no, it was, it was really, really nice. But my God, dude, I have been, I don't know about you, making it rain on pretty much everything in my life, everything I own, my car, my cat. It's like, who else needs a little bit of money? I, I give it yeah. to you. I've made of it. <laughs> oh, happy to do it. Dimitri needs like a dental surgery thing. Oh, no. The low oh, the... end is 900. The The top end is 2,500. So that's like cute and fun. And yeah, um, and dental stuff, they don't tell you until it's all over. They're like, we had to take out nine teeth and it's 500 a tooth. So yes, you can that, do the math, sweetheart. Yeah. They try and prepare you by giving giving you two versions of what the price is going to be. And then I think it's yeah, just their way yeah. of like absolutely fucking you. And then my car, 4000 a cool 4000 It's um, It's unbelievable how much it costs to live. It feels extremely unfair. I think that everything should be $100. I can Except live with that. Wear $100 an hour, but don't ask questions. <laughs> no, that's different. That's worth <laughs> I hook, line, and sinker committed to paying a lot of money for this car. But in the process, I swear I found my new Ricardo. <gasps> yeah. Speak on it. I haven't been back to my Taylor Ricardo in quite a while. I realized, A, I was spending a lot of money there. It's to the point that they recognized me, of course, always smiled, asked me how my birthday was. So I haven't been back, but through no fault of Ricardo's own. However, I went to the mechanic. And I've always had a special relationship with the mechanic, but I haven't gone for about eight months. Last time I was there, he um, made a comment. And this is, I just feels like I'm fishing. So I, I hate to, I hate to even say this, but um, he said like, oh, I was, I was born and raised in Los Feliz, like near Sacred Heart. And I was like, oh, do you know, Meghan Markle went to Sacred Heart. And he goes, I fucking hate Meghan Markle. And you know what else? I think you are hotter than her. And I was like, oh, oh my, oh my God. And so that's where we left it. That's where we left it. And I had to take my car back and get on the phone. He tells me what needs to be done for diagnostic. And he's like, how was your New Year's? And I was like, you know, it was good. It was actually really mellow. How was yours? And he goes, well, I'm not one for going out on the holidays, but I will go out on a Saturday night with the boys. And I was like, totally, as you should. And he said, in fact, 
I'm going out this Saturday for my boy's birthday. My boy's birthday. His boy is definitely turning like a cool 48. The boy is a man and has been for quite some time. He was like, and we have a table if you'd like to come. And I said, um, yeah. (laughs) Why am I like this? I could swing by. Like, why not? (laughs) He goes, okay, cool. Do you have a boyfriend? And I have been avoiding referencing, mentioning any man in my life for the entire time that I've known him, which is like 18 months. And he's asked it point blank, gun to my head. And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, he can't come. And I said, well, I wouldn't bring him anyway. (laughs) I go to pick up my car today and it's $3,800. Definitely my money was paying for this table at Melrose Place on a rooftop. I mean, my God, I just made it rain on Gary. And all I got in return is a working vehicle, to be fair, but also an invite to the club. No, it's not fair. You should have gone solely because it would have, you know, taken your total down from a cool 4000 to maybe, a, you know, 3500 Something that's like, well, at least I'm benefiting from what this is paying for. What, in like bottle service alone? I guess I'll, you would have to drink a lot of vodka, probably enough to die. You'll go mething your way through my mechanic and alcohol I'm consumption. Like, bottle, hundred a bottle, five yeah. bottles. That's easy. You could 4, do that 000. in the night. Yeah, four thousand yeah, yeah. down. Mm-hmm. We get the total down to three thousand at that point. Yeah. So I I realize that these stories make me sound like I'm like the hottest girl on the block in Hollywood, but it is not true. I no male attention from any other source other than those who I've paid. I'm always shelling money out for these men and in return, get a smile every time I see them. I had a man, I had the last mechanic I went to for a smog check. I pulled into the parking lot, very crooked and visibly nervous to the he was like that's okay baby straightforward you're the best driver I've ever seen he was joking but in the moment it was exactly what I needed it cut through the tension there I know they have a real bedside manner to them which I think you need because you're asking a lot from people and it's so there's something so personal about a car and you're worried they may judge you because of the way you drove it. Like there could be a lot of different factors that led you here to this moment and kind of like an escort. What you really need is like a judgment free zone. Exactly. And they offer it sometimes. Which is crazy sometimes. how why doctor's bedside manners usually sucks. And what you're offering up is your body. Well, and you're like, please what- take care of this. And they're like, ugh. Because I have this theory that doctors... <laughs> This is, I really don't want to offend the entire This will be the pullout quote. Yeah. <laughs> Doctors are vaguely like sociopathic, but vets are the best people on the planet. And I don't think you can prove me wrong. Like, no. I've, but- have, you ever met, have you ever met a mean vet? Or vet tech, vet nurse? I mean, I've met intense ones, but that's because my mom is a vet tech. So I have seen them when the gloves are off. But then riddle me this. Why? I was talking about this today, so it is wild that you're bringing this up. Why? I mean, I know why, but vets have the highest rate of suicide of any profession. I thought dentists. It's vets and dentists, but vets come out on top. Whoa. You're putting down loss and life. It's loss and life all day long. Emotional upheaval every single day. Every single day. I know. Holidays. Which brings me to, I think, my inspiration for this week. It's a perfect segue. Yeah. Cats in prisons. I've been seeing a lot of it and I love it. 
I need to know more. <laughs> yeah, I need I think more I information. Can I read you the New York Times pullout? Yeah. <laughs> Can I, I read you this New York Times article? <laughs> that I have prepared. Chile's oldest and most overcrowded prison, the nearly 200-year-old main penitentiary in Santiago, has long been known as a place where men live in cages and cats roam free. What is now clearly understood as the positive effect the prison's roughly 300 cats have on its 5,600 human residents. The feline's presence has changed the inmates' mood, has regulated their behavior, and strengthened their sense of responsibility with their duties, especially caring for animals, says the prison's warden. Wow. I mean, if that's not inspiring. Oh, my God. It's the best thing Whoa. I've ever heard. I knew they were beta testing this in places in the US, but I didn't know it had been implemented around the world with such like tenacity. And now it just needs to be everywhere. There shouldn't be a prison without a without a feline. I also just found out that on the Humane Society, you can adopt working cats, which I would I would say that these cats are working. They're at work. They're offering services in the form of therapy, in the form of a little bright spot in the day, but that you can hire cats that are not meant to live indoors and be pets, but work on your farm, catch mice, do things that they can do. And there's a whole section for them called working cats. Well, Walt Disney famously put cats to work in Disneyland upon its opening, right? They're the cat employees. Of, yes. The feral cats are in charge of maintaining the rat population through Disneyland. So I don't want to say that cats are superior in every way. I don't mm-hmm. want to say that they have a better work ethic than me, but I think they do. Yeah. What they're capable of knows no bounds. I think they really would run society if we gave them a window. And if they wanted to, but they're much more content where they are now. That's true. That's true. If they wanted to, you got to want it. You have to want it. And that's that's what they lack. They have all the skills, obviously. The manipulative prowess. Did you see Cats the Musical? The movie or the musical? The, the, the movie musical. I, I did not. Oh, Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. You paid it. You paid for it. I did not. Thankfully, it was at a screening. It was at a screening and we were all handed cat ears on our way in. And it was one of the last things I did before the pandemic hit, Mm -hmm. like in a big, large public space. You really like came in hot to the pandemic after seeing Cats the Musical. People even claim it was like the catalyst. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Of sort of a punishment. (laughs) Um. Yeah, it felt like a parallel universe in there, I have to say. Me and a bunch of other grown adults all sitting there with cat ears watching James Corden mosey about as a cat. It it was tough. You wore cat ears? I took them off midway, but everyone was wearing them. Everyone was wearing them. I took you them off. You had to do it. They it's, were hurting my temples. But it's like Josie and the Pussycats. Like, it's like we will lean into anything given to us. And Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, there's a lot of cats in pop culture. I'm starting to notice a through line. I know. Here. Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz, Channing oh, Tatum. Yeah. We, I mean, we. This has really been sort of a, a web here that we've woven. We've woven. <laughs> I was with Chris's brother and looking at my cat Penelope Cruz. She was, you know, grooming, leg in the air behind her head. And AJ goes, so flexible. I don't know why. <laughs> But I just was like, don't look at her. Avert your <laughs> eyes. Not for you, sir. You uh-uh. look away. Uh-uh. No, 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 she no. She is in the shower right now, freaking perv. Yeah. 
I agree. That's not appropriate. Don't say stuff like that. That's like how when men describe women as limber, I'm kind of like, oh, leaf. Like, the, the like yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Do you know what the other word is? Men slim. Don't like that. Don't like that. I hate that. I hate that because that feels like you're trying to apply the feminine gaze to the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And I'm not buying it. I. How do you feel about fit? If you were to hear men say fit in like an athletic sense, like, oh, she's fit. No, it doesn't sound good, actually. I also feel like my mind has been corroded by Love Island because they describe everyone they like as fit, where it's right, like, oh, right, she's right. super fit. So yeah, yeah. in that Wait, way, that I like it. No, I, <laughs> do, do I no, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. <laughs> she's super fit. No, that wasn't good, though. That was, that was maybe better the first time. Wait, no, I actually, I wait. You. Yeah. Super? No. That's wrong. No. Something's it's like, wrong. She's yeah. She's fat as brov. Come over here for a fucking chat. Can I pull ya? That yeah. exactly. It's like that. And but this, I just need to start watching it again. It's left me. It's you know, it, it's not living inside me the way it once was. But I just want to circle back to this for one more second. What would you like to hear? How would you like <sighs> to be described if a man was to be like, I don't know what is even appropriate and nice and complimentary. Mm. skinny terrible toned to in the weeds it's in the woman's health universe it's not in like the men's vocabulary you know nice ass is always (laughs) it's kind of it's simple it's quick it's so you the girl over there with the nice ass maybe yeah Uh, i don't know it's not do you have yours I think to regress to the fifties, a nice figure. Do you do you like that? Oh, I like I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, she's got such a nice figure. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I would I would they would to- be totally fine with that. Slender? No, I, I don't want it. I don't want it near me or my kids. <sighs> what has been inspiring you? Well, this is actually also a perfect segue. No surprises, because what has been inspiring me is bar, b a r r e. Oh, God. Have you ever taken a class? I, I'm often inspired by the B-A-R, but not the added letters of R-E. Well, it is so strange. And I it has me now because you would never for a second in a bar class mistake yourself for being in a ballet class, even though you are at a bar similar to the ways that ballerinas would. But the floor is this gray carpeting and you have all these little added tools like a little squishy ball and bands and all of these things and the music is really what I'm stuck on it's sort of music that you would make or play if you didn't know what music was where it's sort of taking radio hits from six years ago and then putting turbo beats underneath them okay give me an example oh it's like Rihanna's where have you been yeah yeah Kesha, Kesha with turbo beats underneath, a song you haven't heard in a really long time. The instructors don't seem to have like any personal connection to the playlist or what's playing. And then they also seem to have possibly bar original music that's just turbo beats. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only purpose of the music is just to give you a sense of the tempo, which is very fast. So it's like plie. Yeah, (laughs) not even not using any of that terminology except for kind of plie. It's just the strangest. And I've taken a lot of very strange workout classes. Down, down. And then this is really what I keep thinking about. And there is an instruction that they give, which is tuck. And I didn't understand what it was because I, I, yeah, tailbone. But 
you're sort of on the ground in the way that everyone does it, the way these like extremely toned <laughs> older women Ooh. are doing it ding, ding. is really kind of violent. They're sort of like tucking their pelvises really intensely where they're almost like scooting on the ground. Mm. And I had to look around to be like, I don't understand like what she means by tuck. I'm like, I'm basically like scooching their way along the floor as like a part of the ab series. What's the demo here? Who are you with? I'm with a mix, a terrifying mix, kind of okay. our worst nightmare mix. Oh god. 22 year old blonde mm-hmm. girls with high ponytails. Yep. Um, that are extremely fit. Okay. And talking Born to move to San Diego. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Talking to each other kind of about drama in the friend group mm, before class love begins. Love it. Yeah. And then extremely, extremely strong, like 53-year-olds. And it's our nightmare. It's it's like a gr- where it's like I don't have anything. Because we're neither, we're neither one of them. We're yeah. neither one of them. And also like they're definitely in like a higher income bracket. Like the, the mm. older women – are sort of kind of like chic and have like really expensive winter coats. Lululemon. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. I'm here. I'm with you. Um, so it's just Damn. been a really interesting time going to like suburban bar class. And I I find myself completely entranced by the by the ritual of of bar. I didn't imagine like the fitness level would be so extreme. I mean, I talked to you this week, like LA gym culture is on another level. Like the I would say the average attractive person here, let's say like an LA five is a Milwaukee 10 probably. Right. Yeah. I would say so. So to see that kind of group outside of what you, I mean, you left the most like beautiful people city in the world to to find them elsewhere. I think that is too close to home. I don't like it. No, it's shocking. And I, and in that way, I have been really genuinely enriched and, so excited to see regular people at the gym again <laughs> at the yes. Wisconsin Athletic Club, of which I am a member. Bar, I've just been, you know, I'm a visitor there. But yeah. Wisconsin Athletic Club, the whack as we call it here, locals. Um, so- <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The way oh. you've gone full immersion so quickly, it doesn't surprise me that you have traversed half the world. I mean, no. you are so adaptable. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm wearing Lincoln Park After Dark, which, shout out, is jack lad's mother's signature color and that's why i got it jack lad your best friend we need my best friend i know yeah i know yeah yeah and he'll know he he'll still talks about his little his shout out on the beyonce episode so that's i never know what it means to people until they tell me after like hey i was having a really horrible week and then i heard my name mentioned for point one of a second on the podcast and it changed everything for me I must admit this was this past episode, which was possibly our most controversial and revealing in many ways, was so funny because so everyone who messaged me about it said something along the lines of, what's everyone else saying? (laughs) Which I kind of loved. Like they were like, what a big episode, you know, so brave. What's everyone else saying about it? And I was just like, everyone else is asking what everyone else is saying. There's no real consensus here. Everybody wants the tribunal. Everybody needs the full chorus of voices to chime in before they're ready. You want to be held by the community. And when there's something that is so divisive and hot button in that way, like like abortion, like it's like, I want to know what people have to say about it. Yep, yep, yep. And today we're talking about a woman that has held the community. Artists. No, that's not right. We'll cut that. (laughs) I really lost my brain there. 
go back <laughs> yeah i'll go back i'll go back okay <laughs> and today we're talking about a woman that's held us as women kind of like the woman the if woman like the man i you feel say? like a woman woman yes we're of course talking about shania twain mother this has brought me back to her music in a way which i have really really deep and joyful childhood memories of um on her podcast guest star on armchair expert she talks about how people come up to her all the time and they're like i listened to you when i was five and now i'm 25 and i listened to her when i was five wait did you watch the keeping up episode where she serenaded chris appleton no and no what Lucas Gage? No, what, what's oh, yeah, Lucas Gage. Lucas Gage. When she yeah. serenaded them, like Kim obviously booked her and their relation, their, their marriage is already over six months later. Unbelievable. I was like, man, sh- if a Shania serenade can't keep you together, then what is it? Doomed. No, especially because she is a woman who I turn to as a source of marital inspiration. Oh, yeah. Which we will get into. You don't want to say it up, up top? We're going to. Well, gonna actually, because it's not in the profile. Is this. I That's think it true. would be useful context because in the profile, we do meet her husband at the time, whose mm-hmm. name I don't want to mispronounce. So I'm going to look it up right now to make sure. Oh, no, but he has a nickname. That's what I'm looking up. Oh. oh mutt it's yeah that's what it is okay so <laughs> that's um, so not the way i thought you were gonna conclude that research no oh, of it's, course. it's actually it's mutt okay so mutt okay so <laughs> <laughs> this is useful context because her husband does come up in the profile this is now her ex-husband so the husband in the profile they were married from 1993 to 2010 robert john lang was a creative partner to her in many ways. They worked on albums together. They lived together. They had a child together. He was a and producer, then, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was very much like in the music world. And then when they moved to Switzerland together with their child, they befriended another couple, Frederick Thibaud and his wife, Mary something. And I don't care for this woman. No, we, we don't need to talk about her, frankly. We don't. Because what happened was is she betrayed Shania. She... Had an affair with her husband. They, Shania and her husband divorced. Mary, Anne, and Mutt got together. And then, in an incredible Mm. twist of fate, as they comforted each other, Frederick and Shania, the two sort of... Wounded parties. Wounded parties. Yeah, the wounded parties. They found love. And they've been together ever since. I can't imagine this yeah like can you imagine me you steven and chris full swap i no i actually that makes me sick to think it actually makes me feel sick and it's so i i cannot imagine befriending a couple and doing a full switcheroo (laughs) no it would be just horrifying i i feel like i could never wouldn't you always look into your new partner's eyes and see the history there yeah. And it's also like, how do I bring up your name? Like, oh, I'm uh, Stephen. I'm out. I'm just going to go record with Ivana. Okay. Have a good day. Well, go- definitely in this scenario, we are not. Close. <laughs> we are not <laughs> you were imagining you- this, but you're like, but we maintain a gorgeous, beautiful, rich friendship the entire time. You mean Uncover Go won't continue amid <laughs> this infidelity and betrayal? Oh my God. Infidelity and betrayal. No. Um, I, it also so, I mean, I'm just trying to imagine because I think that you and Chris are both like 
obviously your deep wells of emotion, but on the surface, you both are really smooth sailing ducks just floating along. Whereas I think Stephen and I are both like quick to show our hearts on our sleeves and yeah. together that would be a diabolical and possibly lethal combination. I don't think anyone's making it out of there alive. And no, of course. And, and then you and Chris, it would be like, how's your day? I had a great day. How's your day? It was a good day. Okay. Like it's like four months later, we explode in like a cataclysmic something because it's like those things can only stay buried for so long. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we should do it. Let me go on no. the record now. Let's I, not do this. Giving it some thought, I think no. No, just for I think now. No. Just for now. But we'll revisit. Of course. You know, a decade in, maybe we'll go full Utah Mormon talk and just get some more couples involved. Who knows who we might meet in that time? Brooklyn Beckham. I know. And Nicola Peltz. I know. Well, and there's lots of talk. What's what? Selena doing there? You know, the three of them. It's kind of a it's kind of an intense thing. I don't know. I mean, what do you think of the Selena Benny Blanco situato? I don't. I Do you have no thoughts? You, I feel bored by it. I'm sorry. I think that's pretty severe. I feel bored yeah. by it. I d- how, well, how do you feel? I'm always a big stand of a beautiful woman with an ugly man if I know that he's bringing something to the table that no other hot man has for her. I'm, I'm pro. I mean, that's the entire city of New York. It's tens with fives. So that I'm okay with. And the fact that they have this shared history of songwriting together, all this stuff, love. It's her defensiveness that's really freaking me out like the way everyone's like ooh, and she's like it's he's the best man i've ever met it's it's just it's odd there's one more thing i've been dying to bring up to you this is a sharp pivot but i've been thinking about it all week you saw salt burn before anyone on the planet yeah you saw it weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago your take on the jacob alordi episode was not good not into it. Like the outpouring of love for that film since, which I have not seen based solely on your recommendation. And then I read the plot and I was like, I actually don't need to, I need to watch this. But th- how much people think it's the best movie ever made is, is shocking me because I know that your taste is superior and premiere. And no. my God, they love it. No, no. Here's the thing. I, I want to set the record straight here because my take, I came in wanting to watch a film, but it was a movie and I didn't treat it like a movie. I treated it like a film. I thought mm. I was going to, you know, a black swan, something about yearning and hatred and class and jealousy and something that really makes the mind, you know, excited. But that's not the point. The point is it was fun. And I couldn't see it because the whole time I was trying to think of it through a critically acclaimed lens. And I was so excited. I loved the concept. I thought it was so interesting. I had read Emerald Fennell's directorial statement beforehand, like why she made the film and what the obsession there was with class and love and jealousy. And I just should have treated it more casually honestly i took it too seriously and i spoiled yeah. the fun there i would recommend you see saltburn i think i would recommend you see saltburn if nothing mm-hmm. for the you know the beautiful little scenes of all of them sunning in the grass i'm too scared to see it that's okay that, you know then, don't, then don't see it yeah i know preserve your okay. peace preserve your peace i know every detail i know yeah. exactly what happens because as you know i love to w- read a wikipedia plot and it's a novel yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah of course 
I know, no, I know what's going on. But I've seen Talented Mr. Ripley. It feels like I've I've seen it all. Exactly. And I th- yeah. Yeah. That's also kind of what I thought maybe it would be, but it wasn't either of those things. And that's totally fine. Well, and sometimes we just need to No, I was just gonna <laughs> I was gonna say, and sometimes we just need to focus on the positive, which is something that Shania does better than anyone I've ever known. In a way that I've often found it sort of I don't know, annoying when people are like, oh, you know, look on the bright side of things always or, um, you know, I only like happy things. I only like happy, happy things. And she kind of goes on record to be like, I write happy songs and that's what helps me and makes me feel good. I write upbeat songs and by God, does she do it well? I mean, she's had so many hits. Yeah. And also when you look at her life, it's like, you know, Phoebe Bridgers is mining her life the hardest moments for her music. And that's sort of why people stay where it's like, this broke me into a million pieces. Thank you so much. Shania could mine so much heartbreak, trauma, distress, yet she chooses instead to have fun. And there's something really radical and beautiful there in a way that I have felt really touched as I went deep on her life and her past and the reception to her life in the past that um, does come up in this profile because we're going back to 1998, baby. And my God, I mean, she was having the biggest moment ever. And this is another Canadian icon of which there are so many. And she had everyone confused, obsessed, and enthralled. And this period like no other because she's two albums in and selling millions upon millions of CDs. I didn't know how many people were trying to take her down. Yeah, I didn't either. Very much the consensus was like, this woman is lying to us. Like it was just, it was so surprising. Well, the profile reads, Shania Twain, even showgirls get the blues. And the subhead, Shania Twain goes from dirt poor childhood to glitzy lounge singer to the queen of country pop. So I would like to start with her childhood to give some explanation because it gets mentioned in the profile, but I don't know if anyone, everyone is aware of sort of what she had to go through. Shania grew up extremely, extremely poor in Ontario, very, very North Ontario in Canada, in a town called Tibbins. And she was basically eating mustard sandwiches at school, which is piece of bread, mustard, piece of bread. They were hungry. They were very, very financially struggling sort of the entire duration of her childhood. Her mom and dad divorced when she was two. And then her stepdad came into her life when she was four. And there was some controversy around him as someone in the First Nation, the indigenous population in Canada. She's really never tried to identify as a First Nations person. But calling him her dad basically sent a message to a lot of people yeah. that she was trying to claim his identity, when yeah. in reality, she just wasn't explaining that, hey, my like stepdad raised me, and so I consider him my father. Exactly. She had performed as a young, young kid. Uh, starting at the age of eight, she was basically singing in bars after they stopped serving alcohol. That was her workaround, was that she could go and be there as a child as long as they weren't serving alcohol anymore. So she would sing after midnight is when she would arrive to start doing like an open mic. Yeah. And her parents were very much like, this is our meal ticket. This is the only yes. 
person in our family making money. So we're going to lean in and really exploit her talent for what it's worth. I mean, she doesn't see it that way from what I've heard and read, but it sounds like they were like, we've got to get this girl, this little girl working. Yeah. And I mean, thankfully, I think she loved it. And she's talked about how like, yeah, it was really, really hard to be around drunks and in these kind of scary, very adult rooms as a child. But I loved music and I was willing to do it for music and for my family, which she has sacrificed so, so much for. Very, very tragically, when she was 21, 22, her mother and stepfather died in a car accident and she had to raise all of her siblings on her own. She made money singing basically like at a resort casino kind of thing and was able to somehow do all of this and then go on to release a self-titled debut album in 1993, which took her far outside of like, oh, Canadian singer-songwriter into what would eventually be international superstar that's now has like you know, name recognition, so many Grammys. She's just an absolute sensation that truly came from nothing in a really, really real way. It's worth mentioning how toxic the environment she grew up in was. Like it wasn't just that she was in a broken family and they were very poor and she needed to support them financially, but her stepfather was very, very abusive uh, to her mother. And often she would wake up you know, wondering if her her mother was still alive because he would choke her in the night. Um, it was an incredibly violent relationship, and she tried to get her mother out of it at thirteen. Like she tried to put, get her get her away from all that. It's her story is just kind of second to none when you talk about trauma. We don't want to compare pain, but it's like, oh my god, so, so many artists don't have a lick on what she's been through and come out the other side of and and thrived in spite of. And I think that's why maybe there's been this tendency to want to tear her down because it's sort of inconceivable. Like it's the mind yeah. can't wrap your head around it. So there yeah. have been claims of like, oh, it wasn't that bad. She's making some of it up. She's exaggerating. Like it's apocryphal. It's like, yeah, it's all a lie to to sell more to like a poor me story to sell records. Um, but I think she also never really talked about it publicly until recently. So. I mean, they, everyone thought that her background as it stood with her, again, like just being this child singer and supporting her poor parents and like, they thought that was an exaggeration and that wasn't even the half of it. Yeah. When the memoir hit the shelves, I mean, I feel like everyone is biting their tongues now. Yeah. As is the case with so many memoirs that we've seen. It's really I know. a lot Love of women them. being vindicated through them. 1998 also. Huge year for Shania Twain. Huge year for the Titanic. <laughs> Massive cultural moments going on all the time. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck won the Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. Literal babies on the stage accepting their Oscar. Harrison Ford was People's Sexiest Man of the Year. He beat out Leo. He beat out Brad Pitt. He beat out everyone. This is another thing I've been thinking about. That our heartthrobs now have got significantly less good looking like the collective thirst over like a jeremy allen white whereas in 1998 it would be like who we've yeah got brad ben matt leo we've got all the boys like we've got josh hartnett i know what? and like an adam driver yeah yes it's much it more is, rugged I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot it really is like the rise of the no i don't want to say it I don't want to say I go. Yeah. The less traditionally attractive man. Yeah. 
Definitely. No, I see that totally. Harrison Ford is an interesting one because I feel like he sits kind of somewhere in the middle there. He's not like a pretty boy. No, he is rugged. Yeah, he's got a handsomeness. Britney Spears also released Baby One More Time. So a huge year for music, a huge year. Seinfeld finished like pop culture. Oh my God, Sex and the City premiered on HBO. Yeah. It was just Full- like a year where culture began. Every single thing that we're still talking about today began in 1998. Yeah, exactly it what? That's 25 years ago now. Yeah. I think it goes back to what we were saying about when monocultures existed, when we were saying with the Taylor Swift yes. episode. It's like that is the last kind of era we can point to where everyone watched the same thing, wore the same thing, lived the same lives in many ways. Like for that reason, now it's going to be so hard to identify the fashion of each decade the way we could with the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s. It's just so stratified now. It's like how yeah. do you even, there's old money, there's indie sleeves, like, and they're coexisting. It's like, yeah, all at the same time. Yeah. If you were to send photos of a Gen Z person today, it would be impossible to to nail down the look. To nail down. It's like, yeah. this could be from the 90s. This could be today. This could be the future. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I know. so weird. I think about this all the time. These are my shower thoughts. They're brilliant <laughs> ones. And you should write a thesis and I would love to read it. The profile also is written by Eric Hedegaard, huge Rolling Stone writer, writes incredible profiles, has profiled a lot of like leading men. And I think he he renders a really interesting portrait of Shania here in this moment. The profile opens. On a late morning in early summer, Shania Twain decided to catch a few minutes alone with her horses. This was at her place, way out in the Adirondacks. The place is actually a 20-square-mile estate with an electric security gate at the entrance, lots of forest, a great big lake, and a road that snakes back into the middle of nowhere. Overlooking the lake is a giant wooden structure, freshly built, composed of a world-class recording studio, apartments for guests, room for the twain zone business offices, and all the usual amenities. And this isn't even the main house. There is this picture of Shania always that I was surprised to see even begin now that she is not a New York City girl. She's not big city living. She's not out on the town. She is in the forest canoeing down a river. She's in Switzerland randomly living with her husband and child. She's always really like out of the zeitgeist in that yeah, way. Removed. Yeah, yeah, purposefully removed. Which I think is very cool. And she seems to know how to build a beautiful life in a way that I feel very inspired by. She knows what she I wants. Did- she knows what she likes. I just wonder if that is what propelled her into like the genre of country when she could have been a pop-only girl. Yeah, I always wondered totally. that. Like, why country? Especially because Canada doesn't have a comparable music scene to a Nashville. Like the Canadians send their artists down to Nashville. Yeah. There's no infrastructure there to become a country artist no. within Canada. No, totally. Where like recording execs are taking note of you when you're singing at a bar. And what's even crazier is that at this moment, Shania is huge. She's obviously on the cover of Rolling Stone. She's never toured at this point. She's never gone on a tour. She's released two full albums, both incredible hits the Woman in Me in 1995, Come On Over in 1997. So now she is about to embark on her first real tour with her new album. She's playing where The Who plays. She's playing where Metallica plays. She's playing amphitheaters and selling them out. Yeah, it's nuts for a first artist tour ever. It's like, that's not how it usually happens. You start in 
little tiny rooms with 50 people watching you, usually. She's compared here to being a crossover sensation like Jolly Parton, like Garth Brooks. And she has her fair share of critics, but she's just like completely composed. He writes, naturally, this kind of success had not occurred overnight, nor without pissing off various folks. Nor, in Shania's case, did it happen without major personal tragedy. Her parents were killed in a car accident when she was 21, leaving her to care for her three younger siblings. But, looking out her bus window at the passing countryside, she did not speak of these things now. Pleasantly, she settled in and started to give accounting of herself as, among other things, a simple Canadian girl from a rugged gold mining city called Timmins. She was a shy teenager, at odds with her sexuality, not really into attention from boys. And I felt shocked by what comes next, which is where she describes herself and how she looks. She says, I don't see anything in particular in the mirror, she said with a shrug. Pretty plain, pretty simple. I have good teeth, strong teeth. I floss all the time, twice a day. My eyes are too small. I have good cheekbones. My legs are stumpy, a dented nose. Yeah, this is really insane to hear. I mean, first of all, we never really hear like stars talk about their looks in this profile. Like so often they're broken down by the writer themselves, you know, like the the icy blue fox eyes, the cascading locks, you know, and like to hear her talk about her appearance in such certain terms where she is just like dissecting every single feature. She's like ugly nose. And then she talks about not even knowing, and I relate to this, like not even knowing her nose was something to be insecure about before she met with a photographer. And he was like, oh my God, like cut her nose off. Like what a terrible nose. Someone give me a knife. And that was when she learned to like despise her nose. It's can't remember her. I've talked about this before, but I remember being 18 and someone telling me that like arms were an insecurity and I adopted that and took that on for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. Um, like you actually get taught. You're not conditioned to know. It's like someone actively tells you something and that becomes like a forever thing for you. And then you can't unsee it. Yeah. It's the dent in her nose or something. It's something that I would never even notice like would never bother me no also she's such a beautiful woman but yeah as we know when beautiful women look in the mirror they see something different than the world sees which is just too bad that said like it doesn't really seem to keep her up at night she's definitely not necessarily worried about this in some ways she's almost like humble to a fault where she's just like yeah it's not about the looks for me we go on to find out that that photographer who's actually Bo Derek's husband Yes. Isn't that crazy? We have a Bo Derek mention in this yeah. profile. Yeah. Look her up. Don't she's know, she, Bond girl who originally came out of the water with the braids. That's, yeah. that's who Bo Derek is. So he passed away. The writer kind of asks her like, oh my God. And she's like, yeah, it's like awful and it affects me. But she just has this sort of like, all right, like the show must go on mentality. She also doesn't seem to pay much mind to the huge metrics that everyone else really cares about. Uh, when she learned that the woman in me broke a sales record that was long held by Patsy Cline, she says, I don't get all that excited. It's a great thing. But you know what? I don't take a lot of pride in those things for some reason. It just doesn't mean that much. My poor manager gets so excited, she continues, but I'm not a lot of fun. I'm like, that's great. Now let's move on. I'm so similar to that. I was just going to say, who does that remind you of? Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't feel it. Like, I don't feel any sense of 
accomplishment or pride. Like, it, you know, it, like I really have to sit in it to try and like process it. And yeah, I, I wonder why that is. I think it's like always like forward thinking, always thinking like I could do better. And I think when you're constantly self-improving, it's very hard to appreciate the self that exists right now. Let's keep working. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's keep at it. And this is where the writer sort of gets into her stepdad. Milk was not a thing that existed in their house except for special occasions. And when it was there, it was doled out in exact portions. She didn't have very much to eat at school and was afraid to tell her teachers for fear that they take her away from her parents. She was pretty desperately hungry, I think. I know. And still to this day, when, I mean, at this point, she's grown, when asked about it, she says, I don't look at that as a bad thing at all. I don't regret my childhood. Learning to make mustard sandwiches was something to get me through the embarrassment, to help me avoid humiliation. If someone said to her, that's so sad, she would say, it's not sad. Damn, I, we can take so much away from this. Like she yeah. refuses to be the victim in her own story. She's always the hero. Yeah. And and I think there's such a proclivity or like just tendency like built into our generation to want to victimize because we talk about trauma so often. It's always so top of mind. She doesn't even see herself as being traumatized. Like she's just like, yeah, that's like, that was, that was my childhood. How was, what was yours like? It's so matter of fact. I mean, I'm all for processing and working through stuff, but there's something really admirable about just being like, it kind of was what it was. And I think it was ultimately all good. You know, here I am. I guess. And she loved her parents. She loved her parents. Like he mentions that it would be easier if her dad went on the benefit. And she was like, no, like he didn't want to do that. He wanted to make his way on his own. Like it was a pride thing. And I respect him for that. But Eric here in this moment is really trying to pull something out of her. And the most he gets is Shania being like, yeah, tough times, man. That's it. I know. Crazy. No, it really is. It really, really is, especially now knowing the greater context of the abuse and the trauma and the so much stuff going on. It's Which just, isn't mentioned here, we should say. No, yeah, no. It's just unbelievable, her perchant for positivity. She's just always leaning towards like, yeah, I made the best of that situation. I lo- I was very lucky. I loved my parents. I didn't want to jeopardize that, which is why I made the mustard sandwiches. But my God, she's so lucky that she had singing as a gift because something like that can carry you through the hard times. Like if there's not such a clear cut trajectory or like an obvious skill that you can just cling on to, anyone would flail so much more. She was just so good at what she did. And music, she says, like became like a refuge. And her parents really were the credit for her taste in music. She grew up listening to Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton, Tammy Wynette, all of these like iconic country stars. So she started singing wild bars late, late at night in like tiny places in Ontario, which like these are rural areas. You're off the grid in many, many of these places. And her hometown, it's not like tiny, tiny, but it, it is the mining town. Population like 50,000, but you just have like a couple of bars. Like that's kind of it. Yeah. She also loved going to see music. She didn't really drink or do drugs, 
But when she was there and hearing music, she was like, you know, eyes rolling in the back of the head, like losing her mind high on life. All her friends were doing acid and she was like, I looked pretty much just as high as them. And people keep coming up to me being like, what, like, what did you do? Like, what did you take? And like music was the drug. Music was the transcendental experience. And then just as her sort of adult life was beginning, she got pulled back home to raise her siblings. I mean, 21 years old, responsibility, not a word I know. Everyone is just having fun. All of her friends are doing acid and you are the baby. Like you are the child in that moment. Like it's so crazy that she had to step into adulthood that soon because I mean you feel grown up but you're not in any way you don't know how the world works much less be able to raise the children younger than you no but she did it and she made it out and this is where they bring up the fact that there is a specific author Lawrence Lerner who in his book about country music called her out of poverty story a Mm. great myth and she was just like The reality is the only reason I talk about it is because I happen to have a charity providing meals for underprivileged children, and it makes sense to talk about this. And I didn't make up any of it for commercial gain. Like, that's not my style. And I believe her 100%. This guy, Lawrence Luna, was like a brilliant reconstruction of a virtual past. Like, imagine just (laughs) calling someone a straight-up liar. Like, Someone else said all of her stories have an apocryphal ring. They sound like exaggeration or a falsity. It's so insane to think that someone would be that diabolical if it was a life. Be like, I was so poor and eating mustard sandwiches just for the sake of marketing. Like very salt burn coded, I must say. Yeah, so (laughs) true. It's so true. Wow, wow, wow. We always do this. We always know know how to paint a picture, don't we? (laughs) While she is sort of approaching this with like a lot of like, you know, whatever, they can say what they want. She also goes on to say that I'm very sensitive about a lot of things, actually. I don't come across that way. I tend to be very frank and bold. I'm sure I come across as very driven, very direct, very focused. And none of those things encompass any real sensitivity. But I'm quite a sensitive person. Yeah. And I think that also came from the fact that she was hammered. Again, I've learned this from this profile. She was hammered so hard for, I guess, in quotation marks, pretending that her stepdad, Jerry, was her real dad when in fact he was her adoptive father. And then when Nashville tabloids found out about her bloodline, they absolutely came for her throat this kind of crazy fallout when she was like I don't really get it like the reality to me is that it's a non-issue like I just had a stepdad like what do you want from me and I called him dad that's it it's that simple but they were grasping at straws because she was bulletproof in so many ways like her talent was unquestionable she's hot as fuck yeah it's having so much fun I think honestly that maybe that has the most to do with it it's it would be so different I think if it was I don't know, sort of a tortured artist type. It's that she's up there like jumping, dancing, man, I feel like a woman, smiling, having the time of her goddamn life. And people just hate to see it. They hate to see it, which feels like such a basic (laughs) observation of like, we hate to see a woman succeed. But I think it goes beyond that into we hate to see a woman having unabashed fun. It's just like really disturbing to a lot of people. The word you used earlier of like radical is so right. It feels very Taylor Swift airs to it in that way too, of just like, 
this is the most powerful woman on the planet and she's having fun with it. And something about that feels like at odds, you know, you can succeed, but there has to be an inner darkness. It's like comedians, right? Like to be funny, you need that past. And some people are just funny and that's hard to digest. Yeah. And there doesn't have to be like a self-deprecating streak or some sort of humbleness or gratefulness of like, I don't deserve any of this. Yeah. The imposter syndrome of it all. Well, I think that makes them more palatable. Like we understand that. We understand feeling like an imposter. But I think that's the thing about Shania is fundamentally beyond her mentioning her sensitivity, she's actually not that relatable. She is high school head cheerleader spec with a crazy backstory that she doesn't let phase her like to a lot of people that would be like damn you're annoying so yeah can definitely see why where the impulse came from to want to bury her um Mm -hmm. especially in the country community when she was crossing over so well into mainstream yes exactly exactly right and then here we sort of go deeper into her home and this is where we meet her husband who produced her first two albums it's sad it's sad you and i have talked about i just like that these records exist online of people's past relationships so intimately and you and i just had this conversation of like not that this is unethical here what's happening but just like there was something about this and the way that their relationship ended and hearing her talk about how it like completely shattered her because it was this place of safety they were together for so long like 14 years and how his betrayal hurt so deeply that I just read this with such an evil little tinge in my eye where I was like (laughs) how dare you do what you'll do in the future I mean, also, like, who's cheating on Shania? I know. It's like the Emily Redikowski thing when she was with the ogre. And it was like, if the ogre's cheating on Emily, like, what is going on? Like, these men are not well. They're not. We get a little background on him. Eric says, Mutt is a handsome guy in his late 40s with reddish, blondish center parted hair that's not long, but is lanky. He grew up in South... I want to look him up. Oh, yeah. Keep going. I want to see what he looks like. Look him up. I'm curious what your thoughts will be. Okay. He grew up in South Africa where his father was a miner for gold and asbestos. Evil. <laughs> I don't like it. It's it's giving ogre. Mm-hmm. What is it with these ogreish men cheating on these beautiful women? Beautiful, interesting, fabulous. I don't know. I don't know. It makes me sick. If you are interested, go and Google Mutt Lange. <laughs> ogre name if i ever heard oh my god it's just not it's not my taste frankly no i agree and that's really the classiest way you could put it okay the second husband is way hotter i'm just gonna yeah oh i love the second husband for drink okay okay yeah and he's an executive at nestle i'm like okay oh yeah that's dead that's dead that's yeah yeah absolutely swimming in money happy for her living it up in switzerland she once again gives us I want to bring this into my new year as they're, she's kind of leaning back against the pillows with her husband and her beautiful home, the horses outside. She goes, every damn year of my life has been a challenge one way or another. I like small places. I like a simple life and I like being in my own environment. That's what she needs to grow. That's what she needs to, to live. And we're back to her, the scathing reception that Nashville gave her, which I thought was really interesting here where 
the question really is how dare these people come up and be successful when we didn't shape like, right. Nashville music community speaking here. It's so insular. Like it's so like you make it on our terms or you don't make it at all. Like that's the exactly. way we work. This Rolling Stone article has to be on the heels of all this hoopla about Shania Twain. It's so much about how Nashville are so angry at her and even this sentence during the making and subsequent success of that second album Nashville did nothing but complain and moan also this was another thing I didn't realize they hated that she showed her belly button much like Britney Spears they hated that she had her whole belly out I mean they hated that the album cost around 500,000 which is like more than twice what a typical country album cost I mean they didn't like that she didn't go on tour. They didn't like that she didn't have this like country style fashion sense of the boots and the jeans and the fringe jackets. They didn't like her makeup, her hair, her boobs, the fact that she was from Canada. They didn't like anything, especially yeah. her success. They were just like outsider. Yet despite this, and thank God, we have someone else, a secondary source, a secondary source vouching. John Lando, who worked with Bruce Springsteen, he's like a music guy and he says i think her approach to her life experiences is to strive for a kind of positiveness that animates most of what she writes i think that's her philosophy she works her butt off she's very results oriented no nonsense and to me she's utterly real and he also says people in nashville will not give her an inch it's the same with garth brooks it's like how dare these people come along and be successful like when we didn't create them she's just like you know what i kind of live for the music I get distracted by very little outside of music. She gets kind of spicy when she talks about how she's not really a sexual person. She's satisfied and not hard to satisfy, but she's not a desiring person. It's very Buddhist. Her mentality is like not to want. She doesn't desire. She does. She has control over everything. And music is kind of the only place that she lets wild and lets loose and lets go. I'm kind of obsessed with that because I think we put so much emphasis societally on sex is like this thing that should always be evolving in your life should always be the real central focus. If you're having a lot of it, if you're not having enough of it, like what's wrong and the way that she's deprioritized and decented sex here and talk so openly about it, I think is so cool. It's like, that's just a perspective. We don't really hear that often of someone just being like, sure, like sex is cool, but have you tried? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Again, radical. It's like, yeah, I don't really think about it that much. And that's not a problem for me. Yeah. Eric writes in her videos, she's sassy, flirty, roundabout and sexually carefree. In private, she's none of these things. And I think that's interesting because obviously, you know, video hoes, the genre of video hoes and these amazing caricatures that exist in the music video format that premiered on MTV are like these perfect women with blowouts and huge red lip and tiny little dresses or shorts or whatever it might be. I mean, when we think of Beyonce, like so many people think of her crazy in love videos still. And that came out decades ago. I think in her case, it really is. And she sort of admits to like, that's not who I am at all. Like when I'm at the beach, a nude beach, I, I'm wearing a cover up. Yeah, Sorry. I know there's this kind of like juxtaposition that runs throughout her life. She mentions how fine she is with the fact that her songs are so commercial, but like still considers herself, you know, an artiste in many ways. You can be 
a sexy girl who likes dressing sexy and showing her belly button and also just like not want to have sex all the time. Like there's those two truths can, can coexist. And I think that's like been so hard for us as a society to reckon with like the short skirt asking for it kind of thing. It's like, well, actually like this makes me feel good in this moment. Tomorrow I'll be wearing a caftan. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so curious what you think of her motto that she lives by a happy heart comes first then the happy face which okay I feel like there's a lot here yeah to get into it I read it initially and I was like okay yeah and then I was like hold up yeah I, hold up it's it's sort of deeper than it lets on yes I love it I think she is saying you don't need to smile through anything you don't owe anyone a smile once the happy heart comes, then you can give the happy face, but you can be real. That That's what I love. That's like, that is, for me, that's not a choice. Like I, I have no choice, but to, but to have the happy heart before I have the happy face. Like those two things aren't mutually exclusive for me in any way. So like, dang, I love to hear this. I love to hear this. It's like, it totally liberates women everywhere. It's like, don't just plaster on a smile because you feel like you have to, you do the work you find happiness and then the smile can come. What do you you think? I felt that this is aspirational for me. Yes, because you are the queen of a happy face, to be fair. Love to put on a happy face. (laughs) No matter what's going on, I could be absolutely dying inside, had the worst day of my life. And I am smiling, smiling, smiling like it's the best. So, But it felt like a real – I really want to internalize this and bring this into my life because I also think, unfortunately, the happy face – sometimes takes away from the happy heart. And unless you're true and honest with yourself and how you're actually feeling in that moment and like focus on what's going on internally, the rest is all sort of theatrics. And I appreciate that as a performer, she obviously knows this and has to go on and the show must go on regardless. And she's clearly not someone that's like, oh yeah, I, if I'm having a bad day, I'm crying in the corner. But it's just... I appreciate her dedication to prioritizing her own peace and her own joy and what Mm -hmm. she likes. And that, that is not a mansion in the Hollywood Hills. No. And that's eventually what brought her to Switzerland is that she was like, actually what works for me isn't necessarily what works for every other artist. Like I love privacy. I love the country. I love to be secluded. And I mean, I think she talks about in that memoir interview, she gave was she's like, I'm someone who can only record totally by myself and as a total recluse. That's the thing. Like she is always going to live to the beat of her own drum. And that's the happy face, happy heart. It's amazing. And it feels like such a risk. Like you and I talk about like, if we leave the cities, you know, are we giving up opportunities? Are we giving up events? Are we giving up all these things that we think in our dumb little brains have some currency when that does not a happy heart make? No. And I mean, her, the prison of her, I need to know what her sign is. I actually, I was going to look it up. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I just feel such a kinship. Oh, she's a Virgo. (laughs) Of course she is. In these final kind of quotes here where she was like, look, I could live in the most remote area you could possibly live. And everyone knows everything about me. I come into town wearing a hat and sunglasses and I'm still recognized. And this is again, the, the catalyst for her moving to Switzerland is that like she wants to be unperceived? She doesn't want to be perceived. She's she's done with being perceived, and she wants she'll only be perceived on her terms. It's like the Dolly Parton thing of like 
when I step out, I'm ready to go out. Otherwise, you don't see me. You don't look at me. You don't know me, period. Yeah. It's admirable. It's like a – it is a way to live that really preserves sort of the sacred little bit of you. It also shows that celebrities in many ways can make a choice. Like, yeah. It's like you complain about paparazzi. You complain about like the onslaught of attention. But, but ultimately, you could probably be in most other places and get away. Oh, yeah. You don't have to go to Donna's. <laughs> but I do. That's just what works for me. That's what works for me. I mean, we tried. We tried this summer to live in Switzerland. It was hard. <laughs> the most expensive place on the planet. And frankly, not for us. But for Shania, no. yes. And she's loving it today. And she's loving it. And where the profile ends is this sort of kind of full circle moment in that she's on this tour bus. She has this huge bowl of strawberries there. And Eric writes, at one time, Shania couldn't afford a strawberry of this sort. Now she could afford to buy them and not eat them. It was okay. It was good to have them. They were still there in case she changed her mind and suddenly, for instance, needed one. Yeah. What do you take away from that last line? What's the hidden meaning in that? You know, it's the sort of the grand, it's the truffle fry of this piece, symbol of status now, the bowl of strawberries here. I'm so curious that sudden, in case she changed her mind and suddenly, for instance, needed one. What does that mean? What do you think that's a testament to like her autonomy, her power within herself to create her reality? I think it's also her like succulent like tendency where she Mm. needs nothing, maybe a sip of water here and there. But other than that, she doesn't need praise. She doesn't need critical acclaim. She doesn't need Grammys. She doesn't need people to accept or like her or have Nashville behind her in droves. She doesn't need I to be a sex symbol. No. Like, she doesn't need much. No. She doesn't need the stuff that drive most of us. She will accept the fruits of her labor, no pun intended, if she decides to like she'll accept the critical claim if she decides to she'll accept being a sex symbol if she chooses to but otherwise she does not want to be seen she does not want to be known she just wants to be her so interesting i thought it was beautifully written my god just gives such an interesting picture into this woman who i grew up listening to and would have never guessed in a million years while i danced around my house screaming along to up that she had gone through this and I love, I don't know, unabashed joy. I think it's such a intoxicating thing to witness or experience in music or in concerts. Like there are a few artists that feel like that to me where I'm just like having the time of my life and she's one of them. And it's just like, it's incredible. Forged in a, in a true. There's a lot of both of us in her, I think. I really saw her from the vantage point of your life story and how like you've, in a lot of ways, raised your younger sisters in the furnace. And on my end, it's like, it's her complete like unwillingness to be inauthentic. Like her just like commitment to always being what she believes to be the truest version of herself in that moment. That is something that like, I don't even strive for. I just like, I just have to, otherwise I, I'm unhappy and yeah, no uh, choice in the matter. No choice in the matter. And that is the same, I think, for her. She she doesn't have a choice but to to kind of be who she is. And when she wants to play a character, when she's ready for like the Shania Twain, Alter Ego, country megastar, pop supernova mask to go back on, she can do it. And then she's like back to being Shania. And I love I love that duality, but the thread being that it's her in the driver's seat. There's no one pulling the strings. This is not a Britney Spears situation. Like she is very much in control. And for, in, in that era, 
how many female artists were able to navigate it, the industry like that? Like next to none. Uh, next to none. I And I think it's probably because she had to grow up so fast. It's a different yeah. thing to be a 16-year-old who gets famous than to be a 20-something-year-old who's had to raise a family and survive for so long and then get famous. It's sort of like your perspective has been checked already. Yeah. This this profile made her a full hero in my eyes. I, I was going to ask you how much you want to interview her now, but I already know the answer. Desperately. Desperately. She's now, I think, my dream like 6,000 worder. Yeah, I also felt like the interviews she did give around the memoir, I don't know what it was. I just didn't feel like she was cracked or it really got to the root of it in the end. Like everything's on the table would be just such a fulfilling assignment. But more than anything, more than interviewing for me, I would love to sit with her. Like there's no one I think would give better advice that we have covered on this podcast. Like put me in a room with her, please. Take us back to Switzerland. I know. I'll go. You know, I never got my fur coat back. Did I, I was it? actually going to ask you because I no. saw you wearing a fur coat. Nope. No, nope. I had to, to buy back. a new one. I had to buy a new one. It was from Santa this year. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Santa. But yeah, no, I, I never got it back. It was tragically left in a hotel room when we were over there and, and oh. gone forever. Someone really snapped her up. But uh, in another life, I, I can only imagine what she's doing now where she is. I wish you well. And I wish you well. I miss you so much. I miss you so much. I know I miss you, but I feel like we can't keep saying this. Happy face and happy heart. Yeah. Which my heart is happy after this. I feel really fulfilled. I feel like I've had like like a shot of whiskey and then a cup of tea. Ooh, a hot toddy. Warm. Uplifted. Yeah. No, I mean, this was such an empowering profile out of all of I them feel- we've done. I think it was really like, yeah, this is this is bringing it home for me in a big way. This is therapy. This is empowering. an antidepressant. Such like, a good word for it. Empowering. That's exactly yeah. right. That's I feel empowered. I feel empowered to go do something. Zoloft has got nothing on Shania Twain, frankly. No. Oh my Stop god. Stop taking oh. your SSRIs. Just just read this profile every morning. Am I right? No, don't. Take your SSRIs. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Man, I feel like a woman after this. Uncover Girl is lovingly crafted by Beatrice Hazelhurst and Ivana Ryder. If you want to get even deeper under the covers with us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncovergirl or follow us on Instagram at uncovergirlpodcast. Rate Uncover Girl, write us a review and share your favorite episode, Shawn Mendes, Rolling Stone 2018, anyone? And we will be your forever fans. Love you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.